Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Long Shot Podcast, brought to you by 342 Productions. I am your host, Duncan Robinson, and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Davis Reed. Davis Patrick, how are we doing? Great. We are back. I'm doing we well. Are how back. are you? You're in a you're in a new location. I see a new backdrop. I am in a new location. Uh, I was on the West Coast. I was able to dip out and actually connect with some of my family on a little vacation. So uh, we were down here in the Cape Cod area. My mom always tries to come down here for a week, so I kind of caught her on the the tail end of her week. Uh, I was able to do you know forty eight hours or so down here, get some sun, and yeah, it's uh it's nice. You know, a little change of pace in in the middle of the summer. You know, I was going pretty hard the last five and a half weeks or so. I'm going to duck off here for the end of this week and then be right back to it on Monday uh, come next week. Well, you're also, you're making another trip next week. That's right. You're heading to the Midwest. We are on the precipice of a very special day, a special week, really. Uh, We're headed to the Midwest here soon, or I'm headed to the Midwest. You're already in the Midwest, uh, the great state of Kansas. I'm really looking forward to heading out that way for all things Davis and Casey wedding related. Uh, we got a little bit. I don't even know if you can call it a bachelor party. It's like kind of like a pseudo fake bachelor party. We're going to have a good time. Uh, it's yeah. going to be fun. We're going to play some golf, uh, you know, get some workouts in. And of course, you know, always got to be, uh, you know, keep it in arm's length, if you will. Shout out to Scal sure. for that one. And maybe the uh, the consistent listeners who know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, it just means you're not that big of a fan of the long shot, which is okay. But right. uh, I It'll like the... Yeah, I likely think a little bit less of you as a human being. But other than that, <laughs> uh, you're probably in pretty good standing. But yeah, we're headed to the Midwest here soon. Uh, really excited for that. Let's actually unpack that a little bit more next week's front of show. Yeah. Because yeah, then yeah. we'll really be right on the cusp of of the big day. Um, it's actually funny. These last couple of days have been a little bit crazy for me. There were all these rumors about me potentially joining the Olympics. And, and as they were kind of floating around... One of the things that I kept on seeing through the various, you know, reports and forms of social media were all these people saying, no, like Duncan can't go to the Olympics. He's going to miss Davis's wedding. So it's really good to know that people are invested in uh, your holy matrimony, which is, is truly special. I am eternally grateful to those people that think that my wedding is more important than the Olympics. We actually had a phone call. You called me when these rumors were flying around and you were like, Dave, what if I missed your wedding? Like, I would feel so bad. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I told you, Duncan, I would miss my own wedding to go to the Olympics. Are you kidding me? Like this shouldn't even be a discussion point. What are we talking about here? You're a great friend. Um, I, I will say I put you on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, as I did with basically all my close friends and family. The reports were were somewhat true. When everything that happened last week with Brad and um, I actually had nothing to do with Kevin Love's spot. That was going to be filled by a, a big. But when Brad was kind of removed from uh, the Olympics and it was clear that he was not going to go, they were obviously looking for a filler. I was a part of the player pool already, um, as were some other guys, and they had communicated to me that they were going to reach out to other guys first. Now, the other guys that they were going to reach out to were guys that already had the option to be on Team USA, so I felt pretty confident that they weren't going to then like turn around and say yes after already saying no, so I, I started to think like, all right, well, maybe there's a chance that this happens, and 
it basically got to the point where like it started to pick up some momentum and it, it looked like it was going to happen. And it kind of got communicated as this, we'll know by the end of the day. So for me, it was clear that I needed to have a decision ready because it was a decision. Like obviously it's incredible to go and, and play for your country and it would have been an opportunity that I would have jumped at. But at the same time, I was going to be missing your wedding and it's also you know right on the cusp of free agency and some other things. So it was a decision I at least needed to think about. So I called a bunch of people in my kind of close circle, my family, my friends, and and was just kind of like weighing some opinions of what people thought. And it quickly became clear, like, all right, if I have the option to, then I'm going to do it. Now, Duh. I realized that that's that's the hardest part was missing your wedding, I, I will say. Um, Stop. But anyways, I realized that having those conversations with those people created all this momentum within that group in that all of a sudden everybody was reaching out to me. Let me know when you know, like, I want to know when you know, like, this is so big, like, oh my gosh, like you might be an Olympian, blah, 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 all this stuff. Now I go on to find out that I don't get it. Keldon Johnson, uh, got the, the nod, uh, which, you know, Keldon played great in the the final exhibition, and I'm sure he'll, he'll do great uh, in Tokyo as well. So there was a huge letdown from that. You know, I thought I was maybe going to be an Olympian. Now everyone's like, oh, no. Like, so I created all this buzz for nothing. You know, I tell you, I you know, we have this big conversation around missing your wedding, all for nothing. But I always- well, Hold was, on, hold on, hold on. Let me push back on that. You weren't okay. creating buzz for nothing. Like the fact that you were this close to potentially being an Olympian was- incredibly exciting. I wouldn't say you were creating buzz for nothing. Like this is a, this is a very exciting, I was honored to be in this little information circle and know that you might be going to the Olympics. I mean, it was exciting in theory, right? Like nothing ever materialized, but anyways, it was, it was definitely a letdown to the point of like, then I had to have the, that conversation with every one of those individuals of, yeah, they, you know, they went a different direction. It's not happening. But at the same time, in my mind, it was like, all right, this is a win-win. Like now I get to go to one of my best friend's wedding, be in the wedding, get to watch your special day, be a part of it. I get to really lock in for this, you know, the end of this month leading into free agency, you know, work on my body, work on my game um, and, and all those sorts of things. So I was good. I was at peace with it. Then, of course, you know, the Zach Levine stuff pops up and it's like we're just hopping right back on the roller coaster. <laughs> um, this time around, the reports were less. So it wasn't as as much of a craze. And I also, you know, at that point, I was a seasoned vet at dealing with right. this you, type of stuff. You were jaded. So, I yeah. So I kept it. I kept it really tight. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hold on to this. We're going to just going to see what happens. Uh it was basically contingent on whether or not Zach could go. And I was kind of like in the mix of if he couldn't, then maybe I would and all this stuff. And, uh, I made this strategic decision basically not to tell anybody. I'm like, you know what, this time around, I'm only telling people when I have that, that boarding pass to Tokyo printed, you know, I'm just not going to go through this whole song and dance again. Um, so anyways, once again, uh, that all kind of fell through, and uh, Zach is is going to be competing in the Olympics Olympic Games, which is awesome. I don't think I'm breaking any news by that, but maybe I might no, be. You're not. No, um, you're not. Would be pretty fitting that the the day we have Shams on our podcast, I'm the one breaking news. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it, that was just the the last four or five days have been a little bit of a uh, emotional roller coaster, uh, if you will, just with all this sort of stuff going on. Yeah, I believe it. Well, I'm setting my sights on 2024. 
I think we're adding you to the roster in 2024. We'll see. Where where are the 2024 games? Don't I want to say London or Paris. I guess I could be our research guy. Give me give me a second. I'm on it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. I mean, I'm. You know, it would have been an incredible opportunity. But you know what else is a, an incredible opportunity to stand next to one of your best friends on his big day. <laughs> And I'm excited to just step fully into that one. Um, yeah. Well, while I'm honored, while I'm honored that you think that and that you're going to be there again, the fact that my wedding—I told you this—if you would have missed the Olympics for my wedding, you would be putting a guilt on me that I would carry for the rest of my life. So, uh, the fact that you were even weighing it as a reason to not go is just absurd. Yeah. Well, whatever. A bridge, a bridge that we did not need to cross. Uh, anyways. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Obviously, you need to show some love to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for winning the NBA championship. I don't want to say I told you so, but I think <laughs> multiple times I told you so. Yeah, call your shot. I mean, no, actually, I already called my shot. I'm acknowledging that I called my shot now is, is what's happening. Um, but, I mean, a, a impressive performance by them really across the board. Giannis, you know, sheer dominance. Um, you know, Drew Holiday wasn't exceptional from the floor but near triple double chris middleton was just really good all series uh gotta give some love to hometown native pat connington uh you know an incredible performance from him as well off the bench had some big time plays uh in game six but also game five and uh you know just had some some big games throughout the series uh future long shot podcast guest by the way so be on the lookout for that i like that uh, yeah, look, I mean, there are there are certain athletes that are able to just rise to the occasion. Like it takes me to you golfing in Vail, like big putts, you're just knocking them in. You know, like the, some guys just have that gear that they can go to. And Giannis certainly was that this this series. Like it just felt like he recognized the moment and just rose to the occasion. If you look back on the playoffs, he like he had his moment in the huddle where he kicked the chair, was firing up his teammates. When Trey did the shimmy on him in the Eastern Conference Finals, he was getting into his teammates like we're not we're not you know we're not tolerating that. He just had this killer mentality, and then you know to get a fifty piece McNugget in Game Six to close it out. I mean, it was just it was remarkable. Yeah, that stuff's funny because like I feel like people give him a hard time of like oh he's not a winner he's not a killer and all that stuff is viewed in a different light until you win and then once you win it gets the the credit and acknowledgement it deserves i mean thus is sports though like nobody really gets their their moment until they're able to like be on that mountaintop and then everything their entire body of work can be acknowledged but his resume uh at i think he's 27 years old uh is incredibly impressive two-time mvp finals mvp nba champion you know, perennial all-star. I don't know what it is now, probably six or seven years. Um, but he's already, you know, put together a, a really, really impressive resume. Yeah. He's sort of ascended himself into a upper echelon of all time people at this point. I want to quickly shout out Milwaukee fans, uh, you know, 50 year drought over as a Kansas city native. I know what that feels like with the chiefs winning the super bowl, uh, last year. It's just, there's just straight jubilation. It's unbelievable. 65,000 deep in the Deer District yesterday. That was impressive. Those that was fun to just see. Just people losing their minds. There's something so beautiful about sports in that regard, like the ability to just bring people together and they're all just having the time of their lives out there. It's just, it's, it's special. All right. Well, now that we've given Milwaukee their flowers, let's transition to Reddit question of the week. Davis, what do you got? 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, enough of the Milwaukee love. I apologize. Although the Heat should take a little credit. You know, you guys you guys run through them last year. We're not here them, for moral victory, so let's just keep it pushing. <laughs> made them make some adjustments. I just think, you know, you guys lose that series last year. They probably don't make the moves that they did Let's keep it pushing, season. Dave. What do you so say? So my last shout-out is a shout-out to the Miami Heat. All right, All right. sorry. Uh, Reddit question of the week. I'm actually dipping back into the mailbag from a couple weeks ago. This question came from Danny Kano, and they asked, Duncan, do you get nervous? Which I thought was a, a, a great question. There have been points in my career that I've been nervous. I think of like my Michigan debut. Um, and it's not like nervous, nervous, like, oh, I'm so scared. It's more like anxious, excited, mixed with nerves. It's like that that feeling that like you feel alive. Uh, definitely my NBA debut, you know, first time playing in the playoffs. It's like, it's like that positive emotion um, where it's just like you just want to go out there and play. Now, between all of those, there has been a similar experience of like once the ball goes up and once you step in between the lines, all that stuff just kind of starts to fade away and you're just playing basketball. That's what I love is in that like you have all this anticipation and excitement for a particular game and the ball goes up and it's just basketball. We Speaking of our mailbag, one of the questions I remember was uh, advice best advice we've received. And I shouted out my mother for what are you going to remember in 40 years? Another piece of her advice that she would tell me before big games, like in high school, before big games. And if I told her I was nervous, she would say, if you're not nervous, you're not human. You know, you got to embrace it. Cause like you said, there's a positive spin to it. Like it, it fires you up a little bit. So I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Jenny Reed from the bleachers with just some big time philosophical takes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. And actually it's one that I get a lot. I think that part of it being like to, and I don't want to say like your average person, cause that sounds like condescending, but like to maybe somebody who's not an athlete that's used to performing in front of a lot of people, this idea of being in front of 20,000 people and like trying to perform at a high level is kind of a nerve wracking thought. Um, but like anything, you know, you just start to develop a rhythm and, and feel for it. Um, All right, let's transition into our long shot feature. This is a great one. Uh, David Brown and Jerome Avery. David is a blind Paralympic sprinter who won gold in Rio in 2016 in the 100-meter dash, and Jerome Avery is his guide. Jerome runs alongside David in his races, and you can read his lips throughout the race encouraging him, saying things like, Go, David. Uh, and there's a viral clip that uh, that just has begun circulating the internet of them running hand in hand and uh, Jerome leading David. So if you have the opportunity to check that out, uh, between our long shot feature last week and this week, we're putting together a pretty uh, uh, dynamic blind cohort of track and field athletes. Yes, last week we have the blind pole vaulter. Now we've got the blind sprinter, and yeah, the, it, just amazing that. There's an article that talks about these two, both David and and Jerome, and the article has this awesome quote. It says, this is life. Find people to run beside and encourage and keep them on track, help them see what they can't see for themselves. So it's a beautiful metaphor. This guy, Jerome, sprinting alongside David. David is, they're the current world record holders uh, going back to the Paralympic Games this year. He won gold last year, like you said, so trying to keep his crown. Also, quick shout out. Uh, David is from Kansas City, Missouri, born born in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I think grew up in St. Louis, but KCMO guy. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're Kansas City, Kansas, so that doesn't really count. Uh, All the same. 
I do love the quote though. Uh, incredibly poetic and you know, just, just some feel good stuff. Anyways, let's get to our convo with Shams. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. We've had some media members on this podcast before, but he just has such a unique perspective and he really is at the top of his industry uh, when it comes to breaking news, reporting news, and just kind of being an NBA analyst and power broker within the, uh, the league. Yeah, it's almost intimidating talking to him because he just holds so much knowledge. I know. You know, I think and at one point- And withholds well, yeah, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, sure, sure. Yeah. But, but he has to. I mean, that's part yeah, of the- does part of the job, but it's an awesome conversation. He it's, I, I think it's one of the most exciting times of the year for him with free agency and pre-draft and everything coming around the corner. So he's got a lot on his plate, but he gives us like 45 minutes of its time. So, so it's awesome. I uh, quickly, I, I tried to get JT once again this week. He still hasn't replied to my emails. Uh, so I just want you to know, Dunk, I'm going to keep sending those. We'll, we'll yeah, see. Keep fighting the good fight on that one. Uh, we'll break through that, that wall eventually, but uh, yeah, enjoy Shams. Welcome back into the Long Shot Podcast. We are now joined by Shams Sharania, NBA insider, writer, and analyst for The Athletic and Stadium. He is one of the most connected and respected NBA insiders that our game has right now. But please don't let that fool you. This man is absolutely a long shot. He started cold calling agents and front office executives as a high school student in Illinois and began breaking stories shortly thereafter. That all included driving through the night as a college student and stepping out of class to take calls. He's gone from chasing down Brandon Jennings in a parking lot for a three-minute interview to sitting down with Kobe Bryant, Anthony Davis, Luca, Joel Embiid, and so many more. He's also as busy as ever right now. Just finished covering the finals. Obviously, now he's on to uh, free agency, pre-draft, and all sorts of stuff. So we are very appreciative of your time. Thank you for joining us, Shams, and welcome to the, uh, The Long Shot. Guys, great journey. I don't know if I could uh, do my own bio as well as you just did. So you already know that right off the top, Duncan. I appreciate it. No, for sure. Uh, you know, we want to, uh, you know, just lay the the groundwork. Uh, and obviously, you have a, a really cool story. I want to take it back first and foremost. Just, uh, you know, obviously everybody sees the finished product, and now you breaking all these big time stories. If you can, just for a second, talk about your earlier days, kind of how you got into what you're doing now, if it happened naturally, and just kind of like you navigating this uh, th- this world as a, as a high school student in Chicago. Yeah, I think you said it best, right? Everyone wants to see the finished product, right? So you might see now, you know, I'm 27 now, and people might want to see that, you know, what's going on now, what's the end product. But uh, I started, you know, setting on this path 10 years ago when I was 17 years old. Uh, got cut playing basketball in high school. And when you get cut, it's like, for me, I love the NBA. I love the game. So it's just about finding a way around it and, uh, you know, around kind of like not being able to play, but still loving it. So what lane do I get into? Is it front office? Is it being an agent? Uh, is it being a writer? And, you know, I, I always had a passion for writing. My English teacher, my junior year of high school at New Trier High School here in the suburbs of the Chicagoland area, was like, you should try to write for the school newspaper, combine your passions I started writing for the school newspaper that ju- that year, junior year, uh, became an editor senior year of, hi- of high school. And at the same time, I was, you know, I started off as a blogger for uh, Chicago Now, which, which was a subsidiary of the, of the Chicago Tribune. Um, and really, I was writing three to five stories about the Bulls uh, every day, like analysis stories and uh, interview stories, you know, aggregating interviews done elsewhere, giving my own analysis and 
Uh, that turned into me sending all those clips to realgm.com and a bunch of other outlets saying like, this is what I've done. Uh, would you have interest in working with me? Real GM got back to me and said, you know, by a volunteer basis, if you want to uh, start submitting stuff, we'd, we'd be open to it. And so that turned into me writing for realgm.com for a few years. And uh, then I got to Yahoo. So yeah, I mean, long story short, I think early on, it was, it was trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do. And when I figured out it was writing and I always enjoyed, you know, it's crazy now when I, I talk to fans and the audience uh, that I've kind of built, it's basically a bunch of people like me and how I was. So that's why I feel like I can relate so well to the fans because that person, that obsessive fan, I mean, that was, that still is me, but now I'm, I'm living it kind of, but that was me, you know, about 10, 11 years ago, because I was even, even in middle school, like I remember seventh, eighth grade, just sitting down, sitting around in science room, just like, who are the Bulls going to trade for? Who's this team going to trade for? Like, where's this guy going? And, uh, you know, I would always obsess over that stuff, signings, trades, uh, you know, the behind the scenes stories about players, like what really makes them tick and what's really going on in the locker room. So all that stuff I was obsessing over. So now to be able to deliver that, I feel like I'm, I'm honestly living out my dream. It's uh, it's like the classic adage of it took me 10 years to be an overnight success. And obviously people now just see you breaking the big stories, but it's, I had just done some research and seen how much you had put into your craft and how much really goes into developing to the point where you are today. Did you, I imagine the answer is no, but I don't want to put any answers on you. Like, did you see any of this playing out the way that it has or like, or, or was it just like, I love basketball. I'm, I want to be around basketball. I'm going to write about basketball. I love to write. And then it just kind of matriculated into what it is. Yeah, I think it, it was a ladder because when I first started out, it was a lot of analysis stories. It was a lot of, um, you know, breaking down the game and breaking down interviews and dissecting what people were saying in other interviews because I wasn't able to interview these players really until my senior year of high school and freshman year of college is when I started to, to cold call when, I, when those cold calls were going out, try to set up interviews. And one of my first major interviews was Dwayne Wade in August 2012. And so I was I just recently graduated from New Shore High School and I was going to Loyola Chicago. And so like, that was my first experience interviewing. And so uh, before that, it was like analysis story. So at the beginning, no, but once I started to do it more, once I started to really develop relationships with people and like, I would send 500, 600 emails with an individual over a year or two years. And then, you know, you, you just never know when that moment might arise where you might get a tidbit of information, a tidbit of news that you feel like is, is reliable and you feel comfortable reporting it. Um, obviously that component has taken a little bit of time developing as far as what's right, what's wrong. How do you weed through all the stuff that, you know, Duncan, even you hear on a daily basis that we all hear on a daily basis in this industry. And so a lot of my job now has become, you know, trying to weed through the BS and try to figure out what's right, what's wrong, you know, because at this point, that's what my audience cares about is, is they look, they look at me to, to know that this is what's right. And this is, uh, this is, this is the truth, but. Uh, there's no question early on, I was definitely, the goal was try to be more of an analysis type of writer. And that turned as I started to gain, I think relationships. And, um, I had no dreams really of doing on air stuff either, Duncan. Like I, I didn't sit off in this saying like, yo, like, you know, I eventually one day want to sit down with, uh, you know, the top players in the league that I feel like that was more of a dream than anything else. I never thought it would you know be something I would be doing right now. Um, 
I'm hesitant to ask this question because I don't want to give anybody out there ideas, but like, how does a 17, 18 year old kid somehow manage to get Dwayne Wade's number? Like, how, like, how does that, and, and you don't have to like put anybody on blast or like release specifics, but like, is it just like being a networking mastermind? I think it's like, I, I definitely wasn't a mastermind. I think it was more just like, I think what helped me out so much early on, and um, I don't know how much you can relate to this, Doug, but it's like kind of being naive, right? It's like not really knowing, you, know, you, 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 what's, what's the line? Like, you, you don't know what you don't know. Like, I, sure. sometimes I didn't know, like, what the normal protocol was or what, uh, you know, what's, what's really the, the PC or the right way to approach this, right? right? And so, like, I remember sitting around in, in, in um, you know, when, when I, yeah, I did that D Wade interview and it's crazy. I walked into him at, in, in the locker room during the season. Cause I interviewed him in the off season. I walked up to him in, in, in the locker room the following year, uh, Miami was playing in Milwaukee. I was covering games pretty much only in Milwaukee at that point. Uh, so I would make the drive to Milwaukee. It's about an hour and change. And, uh, uh, Dwayne had just finished showering and Duncan, you know, like, Usually in the locker room, you know, if a guy's shower, he, you know, usually try to approach him after he's done showering, right? And yeah. he give hadn't showered space. yet. You know, yeah, give, give regardless of what happened in the game, let him cool down a little bit, you know, give him some time for sure. I was 18. I walk up to Dwayne. He was like, oh, he was like looking at his phone. Um, and he was, he clearly hadn't showered. And I, I just remember he gave me time. And uh, I think at that point, like the PR person had come over, like, like, are you sure? Like, you want to do this and do it? Yeah, like, we'll do it. So, like, that to me, I think early on, like, that was that was awesome, like, to see that. And that just goes to show, like, there are really good people uh, in this industry. But early on, definitely for me, I think what benefited me in some ways, I was a little deer in the headlights and, um, and a little naive. Uh, so that definitely helped me when I was trying to go out and cold call and really have no conscience in that space. That's a, that's a crazy moment, though, because – you're legitimately like, as you said, two years removed from being, well, at that point you probably still are a fan, but like, and I know how this goes as a player, like with all due respect, it's just another interview, but for you, it's like, this is your first moment. And like, now you're stepping into this moment. How do you, and maybe you didn't do a great job at this point in your life, but like turn it on and off between like, all right, this is Dwayne Wade flash. Like I've watched this guy play at the highest level. Now I need to like dial it up and, and lock in because I got to be a professional. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure early on there was just, it's just getting comfortable. And I think all that comes with reps, right? And I'm sure just True. like you playing the game, I think the more you do it, the more reps you get in, the better you become uh, when it's time to actually execute, whether it's an interview, whether it's, you know, working on a story, whether it's working on a column, breaking news, like whatever it is you're working on, it's all reps at the end of the day. And so I definitely remember my first probably 10 to 15 interviews. I mean, it, it, it was, it was tough. Like it was definitely like, I was probably really jittery, you know, uh, maybe some butterflies, but like, I feel like, again, that just goes with reps. If you, if, if you're, if you start to do something that you aren't comfortable doing or don't really have an experience doing like early on, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an adjustment. So I think once I got that out of the way and then also start to realize like everyone is human, everyone's got stuff, you know, that they're dealing with off the court as well as on the court. And so, you know, you tie all that together and just treating people like, like, like people, which they are and being genuine and being humble and, and showing humility as much as possible. 
It is pretty wild. Uh, Duncan played with Dwayne Wade, and I'm not sure I know, that, I was, I was that I'm not sure that uh, we could get him on this podcast or that he could get him on the phone. So it's I could wild. I it's actually wild actually that, D Wade sometimes replies to my texts sometimes. <laughs> so maybe I could get him on the podcast. I don't think I have the stones to like just hit him with a text and ask. Uh, but there's an outside chance. I think you can do it, Duncan. <laughs> you can do it, bro. I need I need some of that that naive. Uh, you know, the, the naiveness that you had, you know, early right. on, just, just fire no, off. I mean, you, just go for it. I mean, the worst thing you can get is a no or, or left on red. Or true. On true. Spot, so. Well, Jeez I assume God. there's also some, some fake it till you make it thing, right? Like you have to be in that locker room with the confidence and the swagger to just go up to Dwayne Wade. Like that's something you have to sort of trick yourself into, I would assume. Yeah. A little bit of that. I think, you know, that, that, whole uh, fake it till we make it i think that was the, the the best way to sum that up is like early on i i didn't want to tell anyone really how old i was and thankfully that's not something that comes up in conversations right like when you when you talk to someone all, all over the phone like when i was 17 18 19 years old like the conversation didn't ever turn to like yo so how old are you really like is this about yo where are you from you know what's your background it's a lot of questions like that so uh what i always try to do is just show myself and present myself with as much I think maturity and professionalism is possible. I think that's that's also very important uh, in this space, just being professional, knowing that everyone's dealing with something, and you know, there's always going to be dis- levels of distraction for every single person in this field. But trying to battle through that, and at the end of the day, just do your job. And so, whether whether it's an assignment, whether it's somewhere I had to be, whether it's a story I had to file, a deadline I had, like just do your job and just do the work, and hopefully, everything else follows. You, uh, you've now reached it to this point where people now come to you for information and you're like kind of a, in, for maybe lack of a better term, like a power broker in terms of like when it comes to information, was there a point early on where you felt that shift to like, I'm no longer bugging these people to get them on the phone to now like, oh yeah, so-and-so is blowing me up because he wants to know if I know something about, you know, I'm being as vague as possible, but like, is, is there something, is there a moment and you can give us as, as little or as much uh, as you'd like, but is there a moment, like a turning point moment for you that you remember? I think, you know, it's something in this specific, but I think the moments that to me, I started to really feel, you know, like, you know, I, I you know, there's a responsibility to this, right. Is when, you, know, you might get wind of a trade um, and, you know, you're kind of, you know, you might be the one that, you know, whether it's through your social channel or, you know, behind the scenes might be informing, you know, the people that are involved or informing the player, or informing this person. It's like, it's always kind of this weird moment, right? Because it should, I mean, hopefully it's the other way around where it's like the player might right. be the one or, you know, to, to hear about it or whatever. But I think that's for me, uh, I think when my eyes first started open, like, all right, I got to you know, there is a level of responsibility that you have in this. Uh, and so I, I think probably that, or anytime a player, you know, calls me and, and asks me a bunch of questions about their own situation, I think is always an interesting moment. And uh, again, a moment that you take with privilege and you take with responsibility because, you know, it's, it's their life, it's, it's their life and it's their livelihood and they want to know about their future, where they might be playing, where their, where their family's going to be at. So, uh, I think it's usually along those lines when you're kind of being the one uh, to try to distribute that kind of information when, you know, like call the DGM or call, I guess your agent or whoever, but it's always, uh, it's always interesting. But for me, it's, it's always just been communication, right? Whether it's 
uh, you know, the people that are involved in this, in this space, people that I consider sources and, and treating people, you know, with just being upfront, honest, uh, and, and trying to be trustworthy as well. Cause that also goes a long way. And there's always going to be times, you know, Duncan as well, where you're sitting on information or sitting on stuff. Right. Uh, and, and I think, again, that just goes earlier, either you, you're always going to have to navigate what's right, what's wrong. And sometimes, you know, it's even about, you got to sit on some stuff either for when things are 100% or when certain people are informed. What's your iPhone screen time looking like? I'm curious because <laughs> I'm somebody who I actively try to keep my screen time down. Uh, I imagine it just comes with the business. Like you always have to be on your phone, right? Like you talk about communication. It, it's probably just constant. Yeah. I mean, let's see. Let's see right now. Let's let's do it in real time. Wow, we're getting a, a live update of Shams' screen time. <laughs> this update. is uh, some cutting edge stuff that you only get here. I'm going nine <laughs> hours. That's my guess. Right now it's at low. eight. Yesterday, uh, 16 hours and three minutes. Oh my God. Wow. Let's see. Monday, 15, 15. I don't know if you guys do this. <laughs> wow. And that just, that just comes with the territory, right? Like you, hours. if you run the risk of not being by your phone, you're also running the risk of missing out on essential information and, and time yeah. and like time sensitive information. Yeah. You just never know. I mean, I, I, I still try to play basketball as much as I can. I still love, love playing. Uh, and you know, but my time playing basketball has, has gotten shorter and shorter. That's breaking news. I'm like semi-retired. Like I'll come out randomly oh, no. and start playing, but it's, it's just tough to uh, get on the court and play a game when, you know, you have half your mind on the game and half your mind on your phone. It's it's it's, it's a tough way to play. I'm going to go to Twitter and and report that you are mulling over retirement, <laughs> and end it with a sources tell us. I've always wanted to to tweet out something with a sources tell us, and this is maybe the closest to inside information that I'm going to get. So thank you. Hey man, just don't reveal the source, but I'll uh, I'll come <laughs> out and say it on the podcast when this comes out anyway. So you're good. <laughs> What's your game looking like? Like, can I get a an NBA player comp? See. I would say Steph Curry, but people say that's. Steph I love that. No, no, no. <laughs> I love it. Go, go for it. Go for the unanimous MVP. That's I great. Think, I think you know. I think I'm like a combo of like a, like a, like a Patty Mills and a Gennaro Pargo. I don't know if you watched Gennaro Pargo wow. back in the day, but like Whoa. just some shooting, some scoring. Patty Mills can shoot. Um, that's awesome. So, across between those two i know that's i'm i'm pulling back an old a vintage player right no there. that's fantastic <laughs> i can actually i can see their their two games coming together uh that's beautiful so you <laughs> you referenced earlier that people look to you for truth which we've now seen this whole reporting industry take off in that in many ways, like free agency and, and what player where players are going to move gets as much coverage and, and fans are as dialed into that as they are during the season. So if you're a truth teller and all that, that's a lot of responsibility for you to shoulder. How do you differentiate between what's real what versus what's just kind of noise and like, how do you determine what is grat like gratifies a response or even more so a tweet? Like, like, cause your Twitter is sacred. Like, like that's, that's like the Holy <laughs> grail. If you throw something on Twitter, it's permanent. It's real. It's like everyone gets the notification. So how do you like draw that, draw that line? Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of it is again, it's just repetition. It's just repetition is like over time, you know, trusting whether it's people uh, you know, experiences of reporting, whether it's a trade or a signing and, and what goes into that. 
But um, I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, if you feel like it's at the point of, of reporting, then you feel like it's obviously a tangible thing. It can't just be something that's, you know, um, you know, I, I think, again, it just comes with repetition and time, like knowing what it is, you know, when it is time to report something and it does merit being, whether it's in a story or a tweet or whatever, or if it's something you have to sit on, it's something you got to continue to track. I think all that comes with time and repetition, but, you know, there are always time periods where you, know that there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, draft week is a perfect, perfect example, right? You're going to get a lot of different agendas. You're going to get a lot of stuff being thrown out there all, you know, from other media outlets, you know, other media people as well. And, and now it's become a lot about sifting through all that information, figuring out what's right, what's wrong for the reader. Um, but you're going to have stuff come from everywhere now. And so that's what me, you know, people look at me as someone that's going to provide kind of, uh, you know, truth. Right. And so, uh, you, you do, you, you know, you do take a privilege to that and, and that's a responsibility that you don't take lightly. You earlier this year, calendar year, I should say, I think it was in October, you broke that the president had coronavirus and the first lady. I like, that was like the biggest, one of the biggest jokes in the bubble that somehow you got that information. Is there any news that you that you won't break? Like, is there anything that you'll like draw a line on, or is it like if it's newsworthy, I want to be the first to do? It. Like, is is it just like you see this as like limitless? Like, I could just take over all news outlets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, with, with stuff like that, you know, health is always an interesting thing, right? Because you know what, what we saw during this whole pandemic is just, you know, that's a that's a that's a, that's a sensitive. Very topic so. to, to to discuss so it's it's always uh you know that one's always a little shaky you know from my experience is like you know if, if, if there's someone that, that 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 passes away obviously that that reaches a different type of, of realm for me where it's you know if the family or, or the or if, if there's someone around that that person that wants to disclose that information like that's on them um and it's their right uh it's not my right so I, I think that's usually where the line is, but at the end of the day, if, if it's something that, you know, if I feel like I have a responsibility to my audience, to, to the people that follow me to report something uh, again, there are moments where you have to work the right channels. And um, you know, there are moments where you're going to have to sit on certain information, not only for uh, certain people to know, but also for it to be hundred percent accurate. For me, it's about being hundred percent accurate and being uh, truthful. And so uh, there are moments that where you sit on stuff, but uh yeah, I mean, as long as if if, if 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 my audience, if I feel like it's newsworthy for my audience, it's 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 news. Well, you you also broke the Jameis Winston resigning to the Saints uh, <laughs> earlier this year. It is there's something about sports that's so interesting in the hunger to be first to know. So it seems like with basketball, especially, that's a thing. Like Duncan said, the offseason becomes sometimes more entertaining for a fan than the season itself. So it seems like sports is the area where it's like being the first to that information is what's going to get you that, you know, that that spark online. Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely like, uh, you know, being first is obviously something that, that people talk about, but I'd rather be be accurate, you know, and be first than be first and, and shaky or wrong or any, any which way. So as long as I feel comfortable in my reporting and, and my sourcing, like then like, I feel good about it. As long as I can go to sleep at home at night, knowing that I went through the right process and, and, and protocols, I feel good about it. But uh, yeah, with the James Winston stuff, it's crazy. Now it's like, I, it's 
sometimes you'll have crossover sources or you're, you'll have people with knowledge of what's going on in the NFL and, 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 and other sports. And that's, it, it's, it has become fun for sure. in that way, when, uh, you know, like last year during the draft, the 2020 NFL draft, like I had people texting me that, you know, Tua was going to the dolphins or this player was going here. And it's like, you know, I was just literally sitting in the house bored watching and started text- texting some people about the draft. And, you know, it's crazy, you know, your, your network or your pool of contacts can tap into the draft or NFL stuff. Uh, you bring up the draft. I want to talk NBA draft a little bit. Um, it, from all accounts, and, and I'm not super dialed into this here, but it seems like this has to has a chance to be a really strong draft class. Is there anybody uh, in your eyes that that has really stuck out in terms of like a stock riser or somebody that you feel um, has a, has a chance to have an immediate impact in the NBA? Maybe outside of like you know Cade and and some of these top top guys. Yeah, I mean the guy that I keep hearing is is rising. I think pretty high is James Booknight from uh, from Con- uh, Connecticut, and um, I, I definitely have my eyes on him in this draft. Would not be surprised if he goes anywhere in the top six, seven uh, in the draft. Um, Chris Duarte of Oregon, that's another guy that I've heard uh, continuing uh, to rise uh, in this process. Uh, Franz Wagner, I think you know plug plug right there i think he's the guy that i expect to go somewhere in the top 10 12 um so i, I think you, you know this draft you know duncan god i say this every year that there, there's going to be the most movement uh ever i, I honestly think there's going to be one of if not the most you know as far as got you know teams going up going down pick swaps and and trades whether it's large minor in between uh, I think there's going to be a lot of movement potentially in this draft because there are teams that are identifying players in that lottery range and in that mid first round that want to make that move up. And also teams in the top five, six that might want to look toward moving down. So I definitely think there's going to be a, a good amount of movement this year. How have you seen this time of year? Um, or I guess the more traditional time would be end of July or sorry, end of June and July, uh, draft and free agency, free agency how have you seen this time of year transform since you've been covering the nba i think most of it has just been the appetite i think the appetite of the information has just grown exponentially and i think that's a kudos to the league to you know the fans the you know twitter you know the fact that the the appetite for wanting to know where certain guys might be playing or being traded or even the behind the scenes of of you know whether it's the draft the, the draft picks and uh, behind the scenes story over the course of a season, uh, you know, th- the appetite among fans is, is, is crazy. And so for me, it's just understanding that that comes also with, again, like I said, responsibility, because, uh, you know, not only for your audience, but also your, 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 the people that you work with, whether it's your sources or whether it's a player or team execs or whoever, like there is a level of like, you know, you want to work with them and try to figure out, um, you know, how can you be, upfront, fair and honest, and also do your job and make sure you tell the right stories at the right time. Is that, do you think that's can be tied to like the player empowerment stuff that contracts are now shorter, guys are moving, you know, the super team stuff, or is it more so that because of like social media and everything, all this information is like readily available. It doesn't need to get reported by sports center, you know, in, in the morning or like by a newspaper. 
Yeah, I think the, the the power now is that you can be anywhere. You know, it could be a fan, it could be anyone that writes anything on social media, and it could pick up so much traction. And that's why you know you talk about news and, and reporting. Like news can really come from anywhere now, and now it's just about who the audience is going to trust as far as delivering them the information. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know the, the 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 player empowerment and guys moving around, I think, started to open up the floodgates to the fan interest of that, but. To me, it's got to be the rise of just social media in general. I think you're the ultimate example of that news can come from anywhere. I still can't get over the <laughs> president tweet. That was just like, that was an all-time moment because it just started like getting kicked around like, oh, the president has coronavirus. And then I was like, oh, where'd you hear that from? And it was you. And everyone was like, it was like, a, everyone thought it was like a joke at first. Um, sorry, I, I, I legitimately just can't get over that. Uh, pivoting to free agency teams now it's free agency has become such a covered time of year and now with how teams maneuver their midseason moves are often to create space and allow flexibility you see a team like the Knicks they're very hesitant to lock into long year deals anymore because they just want to have cap space every summer because it's the Knicks and who you know they they're they're in the running for everybody. They're a big market and and can afford. How does that change your job and 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 how you do it? I mean, you've spoken to it a little bit in that now it just becomes like an even crazier time of year. But does it make it more difficult because you have all these different teams vying for really a a, a small group of players? Yeah, I think I think it, it's honestly just become a game of dominoes and a game of like just you have all you have probably like 500 600 scenarios and over the course of the year you just you know you just compile them compile them compile them and i think over this two week period two and a half week period is when you start literally you know dotting all right this is not gonna happen this is not gonna happen all right maybe this is still possible maybe this is still possible it's like you you have a whiteboard with like 600 scenarios and most of them won't happen and then you'll have probably six, you know a dozen to 16 that that come to fruition so just you know, that that's kind of like an inside look at the process where this is, it's not just you come up and, uh, you know, in normal times, it's, it's June, July for draft free agency. And now it's July and August, you know, usually you don't just come up in, in July, uh, June and this time period. And it's like, all right, what's going on? What's the word? It's like, it's, it's stuff that's simmering and you're working on year round and you're through conversations, through reporting, through, uh, you know, your, your discussions with your sources. Like it's, it's, it's honestly just a game of dominoes. You're, 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 it's like you're viewing a chess game being played and trying to comprehend everything and trying to see which move is being made, which move is going to lead to the next move. And uh, it's just a big board of scenarios, essentially. Is there anything you root for in those, in these summers, like in these off seasons, I assume the crazier storylines are better for you. So it's like, in a dream world, you get the scoop that, you know, Giannis is opting, like, you know, you know, request a trade, like he jokingly did in his post-game conference last night. It's like, I know you grew up a Bulls fan, but at this point, I assume there's not as much team allegiance as there is just like, I want something wild to happen that I get the inside scoop on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to say because it's so unpredictable what could take place. You know, I, it's, it's tough to say, like, is, is there like a dream story or is there a dream scoop? I just think that, you know, uh, you know, obviously movement is great. I think even for the league, like whether it's trades or guys moving, like it, it creates a buzz, it creates interest. I think 
for me, I think the, the biggest thing can be is just making sure I'm tracking all the different scenarios in place and, you know, figuring out times to report certain things, when not to report certain things. I think it's just, a, you know, it's every day is like you have to make decisions. But I'm, I'm going to switch it around. Duncan, I mean, you, you have a big free agency coming up, you know, from a media <laughs> perspective. I can speak to it. But you as a player, like what's your view on kind of like the media and how it's, you know, the, the coverage of it and you, you know, obviously playing it and enter, you're about to enter free agency here now. Yeah, well, we were talking about the the noise, like what's noise versus what's real. And I'll start by saying there's so much noise out there. I've quickly learned, like, I think it's funny when I'll come across an article of like, oh, you know, Duncan's looking to sign here. Duncan's leaning towards this or Duncan really likes this place. And it's like, I, I and I can, I can say this, I have very little information <laughs> regarding like what my summer will play out like. So I can't even, I, I couldn't imagine that anyone else out there would have some like crazy scoop, but maybe they would, unless you're like implanted in a front office where it's like, this is going to happen and we're at least going to offer this or whatever. Um, but from where I'm sitting, it's like, I just find it funny when there's so much speculation out there, but it's speculation of something that is like not real yet. And I think that's what's really cool about what you do is that you don't gossip in terms of like when you say something and, and you referenced it earlier, what's most important to you is being right, not being first. Like when you don't say something or when you say something, it's it's what happened or what's happening. It's not like, oh, I think so-and-so is, is you know, leaning towards Eric because anybody – anybody in the media can make any claim because there's really no accountability anymore in terms of media. I mean, that was something I was going to ask you about is like from where you're sitting, because you've now reached a standard where you actually are held accountable because you've like reached this apex to where everybody thinks that what you say is the truth because it is the truth. Like you, you haven't missed, um, or have you missed, have you missed yet or no? I mean, there's always going to be, you know, stuff that, uh, you know, I, I can't, nothing on top of my head. Okay. Um, yeah, exactly. You haven't missed. I, there's always, you know, in, in the meat of report, you know, in, in the, in the grind of like a trade, you, you know, whether it's a pick or there's, there's always. Right. Like a little, minutia. yeah. Caveat here. There. Yeah, there's always minutiae. So I can't, I can't cut myself. You know, yeah. All right. But, that. but you know yeah. what I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, like what you say is, is truth. I got to imagine it's frustrating for you that the vast majority of media, it doesn't work that way. That anybody with, and this is people with like check marks on Twitter, not that that means anything anymore, but like people, I remember around the trade deadline, people with check marks saying stuff like, oh, Duncan's headed here and here and the deal's done. It's like, all right, well, I haven't heard anything and my agent hasn't heard anything. So how the hell are, are you, you know, some random reporter from who knows where? Like, how have you heard anything? Like, is from where you're sitting, is that, is that just like another obstacle you have to navigate? For me, I think it's become part of just the Twitter space, right? I think it's, we talked about earlier about social media and like what it's become. And, and um, I think it's more for the fan and the audience to determine who do you trust and, and where do you get your information? How are you getting your information? Uh, you know, that's for the fan. Like for me, all I can do, I try to have tunnel vision a lot, Doug. Like for me, it's like, what am I working on? What is my focus on? You know, who, who are my relationships? Who are my contacts? What am I, uh, you know, how can I help? whether it's a situation, whether, you know, whether it's, you know, as I start reporting on a story, you know, how do I go about reporting on a story? It's pretty tunnel vision. I try not to pay attention 
to a lot of the stuff that gets thrown out there, but I just view it as like, listen, NBA Twitter is going to be a big space. It's going to be a lot of people trying to put stuff out there and, and, and report. And uh, it's really on the audience at the end of the day to determine like where you look at for your information. Uh, that's that's good stuff. Um, all right, we've, we've taken a lot of your time already. We'll transition into our kind of closing segment. We call this the undrafted segment. So to remind you, we're going to alternate topics. I'll lead it off. Davis will go second, and then I'll finish it off. Uh, my first one is a move that didn't happen in the NBA that maybe as a reporter, analyst, or maybe as a fan uh, that you wish did happen, looking back. Mm. Man, that's a tough one. You, you, I might need to take a little bit of time on that one. Take your time, man. Take <laughs> yeah. your time. There's no rush. Yeah, I mean, this, this, could be like, this could be like prior to – your, your professional career, like maybe as a Bulls yeah. fan, like you wish that, uh, I don't know, they, they teamed up somebody better with D Rose when, you know, when they took him one overall and had a better chance of winning something. Yeah. I mean, the I think I've spoken about this one. I think, you know, there was one year where I was a Bulls fan actually, and they were trying to get guard help at the deadline. I think one of the names that was thrown out was like TJ Ford. And um, like, it's, it's like, I've talked about this, you know, before, but it's like, just sitting in that science room and like in class, like in seventh, eighth grade, like on pins and needles, like are the bulls going to be able to pull this trade off? Like, I still remember that like it was yesterday. And like, again, I think that just goes to show, like I'm, I'm pretty now all the, you know, the audience now is obsessed, I think, and has, has an appreciation for the information. I was pretty much the same way. Like I was obsessing over the same stuff and trying to figure out, yo, is my team you know, at the time or, or, or you know, is, is a team going to go get, you know, a player that, you know, that, that I think would make them better. And so uh, that probably comes to my mind first, but I mean, there's always going to be, you know, like the, the, you know, the Kawhi, you know, there's, since I've been doing this, there's several trade guys, big name players, Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie Irving and players like that, that have been traded where you think about, you know, Kawhi was traded to Toronto. What if he did get traded to the Lakers for that haul that they traded Anthony Davis for? Then the Anthony Davis trade doesn't happen to the Lakers. So there's all kinds of different scenarios you can think about, uh, I think, when it comes to that. What about you guys? You guys have a, have, have a pick? Oh, Dunk, oh, what do you man. think? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak on anything too recent that's, like, in my <laughs> career. So, uh, I mean – Honestly, I was hoping the I was hoping the Lowry deal was going to go through and the pod. Yeah, was going give, to give, Toronto. Give, us, give, give us give us your pick, Duncan. We'd, we'd love to hear it. <laughs> I got nothing on this. I feel like I can't. <laughs> I'm realizing now what I did to you because I put you in a tough spot to answer this question because you have implications <laughs> to answering it. But I also feel like I have implications of like because I know it happens all the time with this podcast. I'll like say something like not jokingly, but like, not like with the intent to like break anything and some article somewhere gets written about it. Like, <laughs> like just silly stuff. Like I, I just did a, um, a marketing thing with a cryptocurrency company and Spike Lee yep. happened to be featured in the video and everyone's like, Oh, Duncan's Duncan's going to the Knicks. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> that's like such a reach. So I'm actually going to refrain from, from answering anything, uh, in terms of like player movement related, just because uh. I just don't want an article of like, Oh, Duncan <laughs> wants to team up with, you know, I'll say like Kirk Heinrich because he's retired. Like, you know, someone like that, like something ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, I grew Tim, up on those teams though. Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon, Chris Duhon. Legendary, for sure, for sure. I like how earlier in this episode, uh, Shams, you asked Duncan 
to like shed a little light on his free agency. You likely know more than he does at this. Legitimately, point, so. I think you honestly probably do. At least from like <laughs> from other teams. What's your sense right now? What what's your if you had to give your honest perspective right now, as much as you can say, what what would your kind of outlook be right now to August second? What's about to come for you? Oh man, you don't know me, man. But I'm not going to give you much on this because I I don't <laughs> I I don't I don't give uh, much information. But like, I mean, it's it's no secret that I I've loved my time in Miami, and um, you know, I'd, I'd love to try to make something work with Miami. The reality is like. I I tell this to my family like I don't know how the next you know whatever 10 plus days two weeks how it's going to play out um at this point and, and I've said this already on this podcast but like I think the biggest challenge has been detaching myself from a particular outcome because I think once you like become obsessed with a number or amount of years or whatever it is, then like your, your judgment can get clouded over maybe what's best because you become so fixated on like, Oh, this is where I need to be, or this is what I need to sign for instead. Like I, I just want to take all information as it comes. And you know, when the time comes to actually evaluate and make a decision, like be meticulous and deliberate about what actually is going to be best for me. Um, so that was a, a long-winded way of saying absolutely nothing. Uh, but basically, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, it's it's the right approach. Trust me, I've been there. It's and it's crazy. Like when I was you know growing up, like watching interviews, like you'd hear players talk like I got to take it day by day and take it one day at a time. But it's like now you're on the other side and you kind of see the ramifications and see how it goes. You literally have to. I mean, that's literally how the game is played, as boring and as cliche as it might sound. There's there's another way to play it though, and and I obviously don't play it this way, but like there are guys that just go out and say, like, I want this and this is what I need to re-sign here. And I don't I'm I'm not one to judge whether that works or doesn't work. It's just more so like for me, that's just not my my lane. You know, like it, it honestly reminds me of like similarly to how guys will talk their way into postseason awards, like with the defensive player of the year, you know, they get on a, on a podium after a game and start making their case for why they should be defensive player of the year. Now, in many cases, those guys were already in the conversation, but sometimes that like catapults them into the conversation. And if you're not talking about it, then you kind of get lost in the shuffle. But it, I, I, Imagine it probably works something similar to free agency when you start saying this is a number, this is a number, this is a number. Eventually, team like you kind of set your own market value for it, or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, every player's got a different philosophy. I think you know, it, it just it just depends. At the end of the day, it, it's it's gonna play out. You know, the draft is gonna be very important, and uh, you know, you'll, 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 I'm sure you'll have a better idea. I don't know when you're gonna tape next, but. I'm, I'm sure you'll have a much better sense by the next time you do. We'll see. Maybe we'll be in communication between now and then. You know, if you uh, if you got anything, we'll see. Hey, I'll be ready for the scoop. Hit me up, Doug. <laughs> All right, Dave. What you got? You got the second one. You guys know the Key and Peel uh, Obama anger translator skit. I feel like Dunk, you need a you need a translator for what you're really saying or thinking about free agency. Like you can keep giving the kind of surface level response, and then someone behind you is like, "He wants a bag," you know, it's like <laughs> just somebody. All right, I'll give I'll give you the next undrafted here, uh, Sham. So we first one was this, by the way, was maybe a record for tangent off of an undrafted question. I love so it. So just to, just as a reminder, the first one was a near move that didn't happen. I'm going to ask you a move that did happen from this past year that you think maybe didn't get the amount of 
recognition it deserved for helping, uh, you know, one of the teams in the deal? Yeah, I mean, this was obviously reported on. I just don't know if it got its just due, or maybe it did, and I just was paying, wasn't paying attention. But I think Derrick Rose is going to turn to the Knicks. I think that when they went out and got D. Rose, I think they were kind of hovering around 500, and they go get him, and I think he plays a vital role. And now it's like, you know, for me, it's, it's interesting to monitor. Like, do they bring Derrick Rose back? Do they, uh, you know, look to get a, another guard in there? Like, there's a lot of different ways the Knicks can go to kind of, you know, was a runway, a jumping off point to the offseason, but also, you know, in season, I think, you know, as far as unheralded moves, I think helped them. I think you can look at Bobby Portis in Milwaukee as another, you know, move, a signing that happened last summer that obviously changed their fortunes in a big, big way as well. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I like the from the Derrick Rose move. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Dwayne Casey who, uh, when he told them, like, yeah, I want to go somewhere and try to play in the playoffs. And Dwayne Casey was like, well, I, you might have a better shot staying here. And then to see how he turned around that Knicks team uh, was was pretty cool. Um, all right, I'll transition into the last one. This is a complete change of pace. Obviously, we talked about the fact that you know you got to be on your phone a lot. When you're not on your phone, and you know maybe you're watching a TV show or a movie, give me like something unwork related that you kind of enjoy doing to just kind of like compartmentalize and, and remove yourself from the craziness that is NBA Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I I love playing basketball as well, like I said earlier. Um, but if I'm not doing that, I mean, spending a lot of time with family, uh, I think you know it's definitely very important for me. I have a, a you know my mom, my, my my parents, my my younger brother, sister. Um, definitely important as far as TV shows. I always try to binge watch. It's usually late at night. I will watch a show. Uh, was big on Ozark, Power. I uh, sure. just finished All American. The 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 season just ended. Uh, I think over the weekend, so or on Monday, so watch that show. Um, so I think off the top of my head, you know, pandemic was cool because I got to binge watch a lot of the shows that right. I hadn't watched before, like Breaking. Like I started Breaking. I've tried to start Breaking Bad like five times in the last three, four <laughs> years. You know, I, I watch like ten minutes. And I'm like, I, I, I immediately get diverted. But this this pandemic, like you know, last year I literally binge watched, you know, Breaking Bad in like two weeks. So uh, that was definitely a show uh, that I enjoyed as well. But I, I'm I'm pretty low key. Spend a lot of time at home in the Chicagoland area. So uh, travel when I have to travel, and uh, you know, pretty low key. Do you sleep through the night ever? Like I was talking to a friend of mine who's a doctor the other day, and he was talking about being on call. And how he just gets w woken up in the middle of the night. Are you sleeping with your ringer on high and just prepared to be woken up at any point? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I've gone to at this point. Um, you know, I, I also have a, a ringtone. I'm sure you guys have iPhones. There's one that's like 10, 10 seconds long. It's like dun 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 dun. Like it's like it's like ten minutes. I'll, I'll like I've never met someone with it, uh, but that's the one that I use. So I'm sticking with it. I like it. it. That's good stuff. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Hey, well, well, thanks for uh, for joining us. Like we said, we know you got plenty on your plate right now. But uh, good luck with everything moving forward. I'm sure people are going to be very dialed into your Twitter here uh, in the coming weeks, and for good reason. Um, but yeah, thank you for for taking some time with us. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me on. I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this. And Duncan, best luck on your free agency. You know, I'm gonna call away if you need me. Hit me up. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Good looking out. Thanks, guys.